Well, hello everyone and welcome to a special bonus edition of Roosters Radio. Today, we sit down with our captain, Boyd Cordner. We look back at his amazing career, the premierships, captaining both New South Wales and his country, and the role that his family played. Boyd came to the club as a 16-year-old from Taree. He's accomplished so much in his time here at the club, and it's only fitting that we sit down and have a conversation about it. So enjoy this conversation with Boyd Cordner. We represent you. Take the short side again. Tupo away. Tedesco pulled it in. This time it's Kerry in support. We feel you by your presence. Via Rooster. Well, Roosters fans, it just gets exciting every week, Il Silky and Bells. Last week, we dusted off Ricky Stewart, and I tell you what, we showed great leadership across the park. We've got young leaders, we've got Teddy, our new captain, but I tell you what, on this week's show, we've got a man that is revered by all Roosters fans, a man that is loved, and we say it all the time when he comes on, men want to be him, women love him, kids absolutely idolise him, and we still do on Roosters Radio. Would you please welcome our captain forever, Boyd Cordner. Boydie, welcome to Roosters Radio. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me again. It's good to be here. Brody, if I could kick it off first. Look, I want to take it back to the first time I heard your name. As a matter of fact, I was working on the wharves and Greg Evans uh, was sitting at Smoker and said, mate, a mate of mine's young bloke's coming down to Sydney. He's got plenty of ability. I think he'll go a long way. He's going to stay, I think it was his sister's place at the time. But uh, that was a 16-year-old Boyd Cordner. Leaving, you know, leaving the family home, your, your old man, your brother. Tell us what it was like moving to Sydney as a 16-year-old to chase your rugby league dream. Yeah, uh, looking back on it now, it's um, it was a it was a ripe age, wasn't it? Um, you know, I've got cousins that were that are sixteen now, and I look at them, and they're still kids in my eyes. And um, I come down to Sydney with a dream, and I got thrown in the deep end pretty quick. I I was training with first grade at, at sixteen years old, had a full preseason uh, when Freddie was coach in in two thousand and nine, and. Well, yeah, it was an opener and I, I just – I said to myself, I was talking to Dad every day on the phone and I really couldn't believe it for the first few weeks, but it's something that I, I really wanted to do and if Dad didn't think I could handle it, I don't think he would have sent me down that young. So I gave it everything I had and um, I'll tell a, tell a story now where where I was, um, yeah, 16 and I trained that pre-season with first grade and – I went back home for school and they'll fly me down on weekends to play SG ball. Uh, I was still a year young for SG ball and it was after the third game we played at Penrith and after the game it was stinking hot in the middle of the day. We ended up winning and I come off and it was Peter O'Sullivan at the time. He was the recruitment uh, manager. He goes, quick, come over here. He goes, have you got your gear close? I was like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's um, just inside. I said, why is that? He goes, get your gear. He goes, we need to go to Campbelltown Stadium. You know, first grade's playing a trial. I was like, oh, sweet, yes, no dramas. We'll go there and watch. He goes, no, no, you're, you're playing. I was like, oh, it's like I couldn't speak. I was like, what's that? And he goes, mate, you're going to be playing quick. Go and get your gear. We haven't got time. We need to shoot over there. So all in like the one go, I, I sort of ran to that. I was like, mate, we got to go to Campbelltown Stadium. I was like, he goes, yeah, sweet, no dramas. I'm playing. And he goes, 
goes, what? Like, are you serious? He, I was like, mate, that's what I heard. I think I'm doing. So I jumped in with my boots still on. I remember going to Campbelltown Stadium, going in the sheds and, you know, guys like um, Nate Miles, um, Marco Mealy, you know, <laughs> Willie Mason and I honestly couldn't believe it. I, I jumped in the ice bath and, you know, washed off, got gear on and ended up getting the last 20 minutes of that game. But and then I got on a flight, went back to school and told me mates they didn't believe me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was probably like my earliest memories of of uh, moving down to Sydney and, um, you know, giving it a crack at the Roosters. Mate, I look at your age now and when you share that story, I realise you've spent half your life at the club. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I've had a bit of time to reflect now since I've um, – since I caught it um, earlier on in the year. And uh, it's just, it hasn't flown. Like I've had, you know, so many, you know, different experience, life lessons learned since the time that I've been down here and um, friends. And yeah, it's just been, it's been a, a whirlwind and such an unbelievable experience. And I'm so glad to, to be able to do it at, at, at the Roosters. Body, we're going to talk about the the triumphs and, and the trials and the tribulations and the adversity you face, but as a young man, I remember you, you know, you did your knee and I'll share a little story that Boyd Alvos is a mad Roosters fan and a former Paddington Colts Junior Club president said, there's another bloke called Boyd because I used to say to him, I've never heard of another Cooper and I've never heard of another Boyd. Yeah. And he just said to me, mate, watch this kid, put him in your super coach. And then I know you burst out of the blocks and I, I love hearing that story that, you know, 15 and a half, 16, you're playing first grade trials. Um when you first got yourself, you know, your first bit of adversity, did you know, can you talk us through some of those adversities you've faced over the years to get where you got to? Yeah, it's been a, it was a pretty tough journey, but I think my injury started well before I even signed at the Chooks. Um, I don't think it was – it was known that I have, like, dodgy knees, but um, that started when I was about 15 years old. I, I had, you know, four operations on my right knee, just clean-outs and that before I even went to the Chooks and then – uh, it was the year after, so when I was 17, the start of uh, 2010 preseason, I'd done my left ACL um, just before the trials started. So that sidelined me for the full year. And um, yeah, I, I suppose when, when you're that young, all you want to do, you know, is play first grade. So injuries, they, you know, it was challenging for me, but it didn't bother me because I knew what I wanted to do and nothing was going to stop me. So I knew that I was going to come back from that and, you know, carry on with chasing my dream like usual. So I never once thought that that would, I was going to um, give it up or head back home. If anything, it only made me hungrier um, to, to live out my dream because, you know, I was in the thick of it at the moment. I was training first grade and I knew I was really close. So, um, you know, all them setbacks, I suppose, looking back on it now, it, it taught me lessons. It taught me how to be resilient. Um, and, you know, I think it really um, sharpened me up mentally with, you know, dealing with all that. And um, it's it's definitely made me a, a stronger um, person for it, I think. And, Bordy, I think, you know, what's so relevant about this is I don't think our fans remember this. We do. Silky and I do. We've watched you with – you know, great intent from the moment you ran out in the field and thought, who's this kid, to our captain holding the premiership trophy to our leader and, and then our New South Wales captain, you know, winning Australia. that and going through that and then going to Australia and, you know, got to know your dad, Chris, and your family. And I think our fans forget. Everyone knows the later part of your career and those injuries you carried. They remember that. And I think it's so inspiring 
for our young players who have gone through this crop of injuries. You know, I think our chairman, Nick Politis, last week talked about we've had, you know, six ACLs in a couple of years. Do you yeah. use those experiences, your personal experience and the inspiration that you've become to help guys like Billy Smith and, uh, you know, the younger brigade come through Lindsay and get through their injuries? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm always there to be a, to be a lending ear and a lending um, hand with with experience with it all. And no, I don't think them guys are too um, dissimilar to, to me in the fact that you know they are they are young guys. And you seen Billy, you know, continually come back from his injuries and still be the player he is. It just goes to show how how much he wants it. And the same with Lindsay. Um, you know, all reports from back home of him being in the gym. He's just killing it and. Um, along with Kez having him there, um, if you get to know them guys, they are they are they are footy players, and that's that's their life. And um, you see a little bit of adversity thrown at them, and you know some people it can it can turn them the other way and can do weird things. But um, for someone like Lindsay, someone like Billy, you know it can turn them into to better men and. Um, I'll definitely learn lessons out of that. It will definitely make them hungrier. And um, I truly believe that all them guys, they're going to come back better better players for it. Now, Boyd, just on the young boys of the club, and I just wanted to go back to the beginning of your career again. Who was Boyd Cordner's mentor when you started your rugby league journey at the Roosters? Yeah, so when I come down um, as a 16-year-old, obviously going to training and you know, it was only so we played um, our under 16s grand final back home for the for the Tari Red Rovers, and it was probably two months after that where I was going down and I was training in first grade. Um, and these are guys that we were pretending to be in the backyard when we we're having backyard games of footy, like Fitzy and and uh, Willie Mason, and you know. And then I was I was going to training with these guys, so I never really spoke much for the first two years. I only just knew what I was good at and I just stayed at that and I didn't want to, you know, I just wanted to gain the respect off them guys first before, you know, I wanted to know my place and respect them and it was their join and I knew I was only coming in as a young guy. So, but when people see that, you know, I can remember the first, my first weight session, I walked in and I got handed this, you know, your your program and um, all right, partner up, but I was never going to go to someone and say, oh, do you want to be my partner? So, Remember Sean Kenny Dow was the first guy to come over and goes, Come on, you're with me, let's go. And you know, stuff like that I'll always remember. And um, I remember Mitch Pierce. I'm sure you guys are very fond of him and how much of a good bloke he is and a kind heart. And that's probably been his biggest trait throughout his whole career was to how he connected with the younger boys and to make them feel like they belonged. So uh, Skidzy and, and Piercy, I, I got along with really well early and and then the year after when Toddy came, we shared a special bond and we're still best mates today. Um, we speak every day and it's them guys that I didn't have a licence um, down in Sydney at the young age. And I remember when I used to catch a bus from training to go home back to Mascot. And, um, I was at the bus stop one day and Todd, you know, it was a long Anzac parade, mind you. He couldn't stop and he seen me and he stopped in the middle of the road and he ran down the window and he's going, what are you doing? I was like, man, I'm just waiting for the bus to get home. And he goes, no, you're not. He goes, jump in. And I was like, no, no, no. He goes, mate, jump in or I'm going to go. <laughs> someone's going to run up the arse. <laughs> so 
I went in and jumped in the car and he lived at Coogee, but he didn't mind going to Mascot to drop me off. And then after that, he'd come and pick me up every day and drop me off. And I suppose he's got a fairly bad rap with, you know, the mistakes that he's made. But guys like that, I'll always, you know, have time for. And yeah, I just, I just love looking back on times like that. Boy, do I have to share something with you? Toddy Carney, we sponsored him, Fletch and I, through our business. And uh, yeah. I always said to him, Toddy, can you do me one favour? I've got a kid named Jack Gillard, the son of Brett Gillard, played first grade there. He said, oh, yeah. I said, mate, he is so obsessed with you. I said that he just wants to see you and, like, touch you to check that you're really 10. And we play touch with the dads at Coogee Oval. So he goes, all right. Season goes by. And it was his last year at the Roosters. And uh, we got him in 10 and 11. And he rings me up and goes, hey, Bush. Toddy Carney, I said, I know who it is, mate. I got your phone. He said, this touch game, when's it on? And I said, oh, mate, tomorrow morning, actually. He goes, I've got one problem. I said, what's that? He goes, I haven't got a license. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, mate, knowing the law-abiding citizen Todd is and the uh, very conservative young man, I thought, I'll give him a lift. You know, I didn't want to get him in trouble. He come down, played touch with all the kids, um, you know, had a game. You know, he was playing that weekend. And, and I, he said to me, mate, do you mind if I just continue to play him with it? He played for an hour. People think of Todd Carney of, you know, the headlines and the, and the rubbish. And I can see why you're such good mates. He is so selfless and he gives so much of his time, you know. And that's what we yeah. love about you, mate, the accessibility, uh, you know, from yourself, from Todd and, and players like that. Boydie, I just want to go back now to your, what you remember of your debut game. I think it was 2011 against the Warriors. Yeah. What do you remember about that match? Yeah, it was, um, it was, a, it was a great week. I remember that I was uh, – I, I knew that I was close because – um, a week before that, I was 18th man, and then the week before that, I, I played a game of um, reserve grade for for Newtown Jets. So I knew that the progression was coming along nicely. So I knew I was close, but I didn't think that I'll be playing that week. I remember in the gym, um, Brian Smith came up to me and said, "Mate, you're in," <laughs> and I was like, um, "Yeah, what?" And he goes, "Mate, you're playing," and I was. Yeah, there was a few boys around in the gym and they all heard and they all just jumped around me and, you know, it was just like, like I had to, after that I had to walk outside and had a moment to myself because it was so overwhelming and I think, you know, the guy, like, you know, you know me now and about how much, you know, that would have meant to me because, you know, football is like, it's been my life um, since I, I can remember and, you know, when I was at school, I always I put all my eggs in one basket to go and, you know, be a professional rugby league player. So it all just hit me at once when I was, yeah, I was in that gym and, you know, obviously called dad and you guys would have known how proud he was. Um, you know, um, and then, yeah, just getting ready for the game and I knew I was coming off the bench and I got thrown into it pretty early in the first 20 minutes and played uh, 60 minutes. Of that, uh, we won thirteen to twelve, uh, thirteen to six. Sorry, and the man we were just talking about kicked the field goal to sort of seal the game, and um, yeah, it just sort of went from there. And I, I can remember it, oh, the old cliche like it was yesterday. But um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty surreal to think, you know, from from that day, how how my career would pan out, and you know, I wouldn't change a thing. Let's fast forward. It's your first grand final. And can you talk us through, you know, the excitement? I mean, you go from being a 16-year-old playing in a trial and such a great story. It means so much, you know, to you and your family. Then you actually make your debut and Toddy Carney kicks that field goal. Talk us through that first premiership for the Roosters, the first premiership win and what it was like to be part of that and what it meant to you. 
Yeah, so that year was um, it was one of my favourite years, definitely. You know, the signing of uh, Robbo and then we had um, just a couple of, of marquee signings, Michael Jennings, uh, Sonny, James Deloney, arguably all in the prime of their career. And we started the year really well. I remember it was halfway through the season and we were sitting around the top of the table and we had a we had three matches, which was a tough stretch for us leading into the leading into the buy round just before origin. And I thought to myself, if we win these, we'll win the comp. And sure enough, we we ended up winning all those. And I remember sitting in the sheds just before that buy going, looking around, going, We're gonna win the comp this year. I was only 21. Um, and then that the next week um, in the physio room, I was getting treated and uh, Minnie walked in and the first thing I said to him, I was like, hey, Minnie, you was the captain. He goes, yeah. I was like, mate, we're winning the comp this year. And he goes, mate, 100% we are. And he told that story uh, when we were sitting around at my retirement and it was a couple of games. Well, I was getting, it was after Origin and um, I was lucky enough to debut in that game three that year and I had all the confidence in the world. It was probably my breakout year. I think with um, with my NRL career and um, everything was going well, and then I ended up doing my ankle two rounds heading into the finals, and I had to get surgery on my syndesmosis, and it was one of the first surgeries, the new surgeries they'd done with all the tight ropes. Then you hear of the boys just getting back in six weeks and and whatnot. So the guy he said he operated on it and come out and he goes, mate, it's normally about a twelve week thing. I was like, mate, I'm getting back in six weeks. I'm going to play the grand final. And he's like, oh, look, you know, he started, sort of got shits. And I was like, mate, you do what you want sort of thing. I was like, yeah, no drama. So I said to the physio in that room, I was like, you guys get a program together that's going to get me back in six weeks and I'm going to do it. And they're like, oh, yeah, sweet. So I don't think they knew that I was going to do it. But anyway, I ended up getting sweet and I was I was right to go for the, for the prelim to get into the grand final. That was against uh, Newcastle. And then the boys were killing it. And then... They rested me because uh, Luke O'Donnell ended up uh, being fit to play. So they're like, oh, look, if we win, we'll get you sweet for the for the GF. But then I started to think, you know, these guys aren't going to change a winning team. So <laughs> all, all through the first few days of that week, I was like, oh, mate, I'm not playing. I was like, what's going on? And I started to do my head. And then Robbo called me into his office. I'm like, oh, no, this is it. Like, he's going to tell me I'm not going to play. Like, how am I going to act? And then next minute, he called me into the office and sat me down. He goes, look, mate, I'm going to start you. I was like, oh, how good is this? Like, let's go. I wanted to play sort of the next day. Gave me all the confidence in the world. And, yeah, went to to play Manly. Um, It was 8-6 heading into halftime. We are sort of in a commanding position. And then straight after halftime, I got two quick tries. And I um, were up by about uh, 10 points, I think it was, with – probably about 20 to go. So I remember, I think it was Jimmy breaking through past the cat then to Skids and then Aiden scored and we're up by two. And then obviously Jenko's try near the end there and we're up by eight. Um, yeah, we're up by eight with five to go. And I can just remember that last five minutes, holy hell. And yeah, it was, it was such a great memory uh, for me looking back on now and I suppose the week after that and the partying and the celebrating, it's you know, that's that's what it's all about. Body fast forwarding to uh two thousand and eighteen, 
in your career, you're the captain of New South Wales, you're the captain of the Roosters, you've made your debut for Australia and, and taken the captaincy there. There's an iconic photo in rugby league and there's many of them dating back to many premierships and, you know, Mal Meninga and Clive Churchill and coaches and, and you know, Jack Gibson in a fur coat. And as far as iconic grand final photos go, there's one of you and Jared and you're so emotional yet so happy. And can you just explain to our fans what that meant to you and, and what you were feeling at the time and, and how special that moment is? Yeah, so um, I suppose you could call it a long time between drinks between our last... 2013 to 2018 and I don't think people realise how close we were um, in between them periods with um, making the prelims. I think we made the prelim final in 2014, got beat, 15 the same result, 16 was a, a write-off year with, um, you know, whatnot and then 17 we got beaten the prelim again. So I'm thinking, I'm like... Oh, like how hard is it to, you know, I experienced it early on in my career and I probably took for granted how hard it was to not only make a grand final but to win it. So I said to myself, if I ever get in this position again, I'm going to soak it up and I'm going to make sure, you know, I enjoy it. And I remember, you know, that week of um, 2018 leading up to the game and we were, we were so ready, the boys that were there that have tasted you know, what it was like in 2013 to then be knocked out in three preliminary uh, finals since uh, we were ready to go. And there was no way we were going to lose that game. And I think you've seen the way we played against the Storm is still one of the best games that I've been involved in, um, hands down. And we were up. It was near the end of the game. And I think it was when uh, Cameron Munster got sent off. He kicked Joey in the head. And we took the two to just, you know, it was about five minutes to go. And that was just, you know, ice it on the cake and I, I just something just come over me. I knew we won it at that moment and Jared was just there. And I don't know what come over me or, you know, I just seen him and it was like excitement. It was, um, you know, tears of joy, all these emotions and it just all sort of come out. And I look back on it now and I know exactly what you're talking about, but, you know, I'm not even embarrassed about it. You know, I'm like, that's... It was just in the moment and, you know, to see one of my best mates and he's been there through it all with me standing side by side to finally be on top once again. It was at that moment we just, you know, like I said, I didn't know how to feel and the best best times, the best memories ever. So, Boyd, you just mentioned how hard it was from 13 to 18 to, you know, so long to get a premiership win. And then the next year, the following year, 19, back-to-back. Tell us about that experience and and how that impacted your life at that time. We had the same squad, so um, we were more than confident with, you know, our ability to get back there. But I think we had our different challenges in 2019 with injuries. We started the year off. Obviously, yeah, pretty well. And we had um, injuries from about round four. And I don't think we fielded the same team until probably the first week of the finals, our full strength team. And, um, yeah, came mate. Yeah. Oh, he's back. Um, yeah. Yeah, go on then. JWH is um, Yeah. Yeah, he's in the building. King of the kids. Yeah. And, we we had our injuries and we we're going we we're still going really well and those guys debuting like you see now Satili Tupanua he debuted um, semi verils you see the games that he's playing now 
So looking back on it now, it probably was a blessing in disguise. Again, in that final series, we had all our team back and we talked about it all year. It was like, we're nothing. It's, just, it's not going to be a good year unless we win it again and we go back to back and beat the Storm in the prelim. And yeah, the same thing all that week. No one wanted us to win. It was all about the Raiders. And we just, we love that. We love that. Um, you know, even though we're favourites, no one wanted us to win. We could feel that all week, even in the media. They were, you know, everywhere was walking around was green. And, and even though the, the grand finals in Sydney, the whole, you know, everyone was jumping on the Raiders bandwagon. So that was definitely one of the toughest games we played, but that was just so satisfying after that to, to be able to win it like we did and have Cooper in the bin pretty early and to hold on in defence and then, yeah, to go back to back and then have that whole thing again, that whole week of just partying and, oh, mate, it's just, that's why you play. It's, um, it's to, for their memories and to have that moment to, you know, do that lap of honour and see your family and friends and then knowing the week ahead what's going to be with, you know, just like obviously stupid amounts of alcohol and good times. Love and the yeah, It's just... Um, <laughs> Yeah, the celebrations, it's uh, its really good, so good. Boy, as a young kid growing up in Taree, you, you dream of playing in premierships. Of the three, which one means the most to you? Um, I don't know. I honestly, honestly can't split them. Like I'll just explain then, um, they all had different meanings to them and um, they were all really special. Uh, oh, Wow. Probably, I don't know. Yeah, I can't. I can't separate one. But if I was going to probably pick one, maybe, maybe, yeah, nah. I can't. I can't. Honestly, can't separate them. Mate, I want to talk about leadership, and because you've captain at every level of the game, both club, state, and the country. But people that know you, you're a quiet bloke. Your style of captaincy is more by actions rather than words. But when you speak, people listen. The role of being a leader, mate, I mean, you've always had an old head on young shoulders. Is it something that came easy to you? Yeah, I think so. I think when I was a young kid, I had a lot of growing up to do early, um, obviously with, uh, with the passing of my mum and I had dad to look after us and we lived with our grandparents for a bit, which sort of forced us again to grow up pretty old because Pop was, you know, a bit of a, a hard head and we sort of learned them old school values at a young age and... Um, I've always said, and I've been asked a, a little bit about leadership and, and, you know, why. But for me, no one, I don't think anyone chooses to be a leader. Essentially, I think it's how you act and what sort of character you are as a person and, and your values and what you live by. And I honestly believe that that's, I just tried to stay true to myself ever since a young kid. And I've got taught that, you know, obviously from my dad and, um, learned a, a fair bit from my grandparents as well, but I've sort of never wavered and I've always knew, you know, uh, what I believed in and, and what worked for me and, you know, who I am as a person. And for if you relate that to footy, you know, I, I'm not meant to, to toot my own horn, but, you know, I'm a winner. Like, that's what, you know, I hate losing and um, I'll do anything for my teammates in, this, in the jersey that I'm wearing to, to win and ultimately... You know, that's what we're judged on is, you know, our success in the game. Like, it's not, oh, yeah, how hard can you play? But, you know, if you lose, like, no one's going to, you know, we're, we're in a, a, a job, a business where, 
you know, we, we have to have success. So, you know, I just wanted to obviously, you know, do the best that I could do. But with that come captaincy and um, I accepted that. Um, I've had a lot of great captains before me, but when I got thrown in at a young age, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be a Kevin Smith or I didn't want to be an Anthony Minicello with all due respect. I wanted to be Boy Cordner and, you know, I've had my own style and like you touched on then, I'm probably not the most vocal captain, but, you know, I just wanted to go about my business the way I did because that's why I was recognised as a leader is because of who I am. So, yeah, I suppose that's my little bit on my experience as a leader. One thing we've loved talking about for the past eight years on this podcast is the coordinate carry. So, yeah. I mean, we're talking about leadership. We do them in the office, Portie, going to the bin. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you're, I mean, uh, I suppose a point about your leadership is that you'll put your hand up when everyone's tired and you will lead by doing that tough carry, second or third hit up at a set, you know, late in the first half or at the back end or at the tough end of the game. Is that something that just come naturally to you or is that something you knew as a leader you had to do? Yeah, um, I think that was probably, um, you know, as a leader, yeah, I, I definitely that was part of my role, but it's something that that, um, that I wanted to do and um, it definitely, you know, helped the team out in a sense. Um, I think that was one of my my um, best attributes as a player is that my mentality of, you know, I, I want to win more than you do, so I'm willing to do whatever it takes and I'm willing to work harder than you will. You know, you might stay with me for the first 20 minutes, but over 80 minutes, um, you know, I'm eventually going to gonna get the upper hand and that's how I attacked every game. And, you know, wearing that Roosters jersey really gave me that confidence too is because of the, the teammates and the players I was playing around. There could have been, um, you know, a, an easy an easy thing for me to just sit back and let all them flashy players do their thing. But, you know, I wanted to make a difference too in that team and I thought that if I played my role and I executed my role to the best of my ability, then it was going to help um, us win at the end of the day. Bordy, just riffing on leadership, uh, you know, we're pretty fortunate at the Roosters that every other club hates us and they hate us because they envy us. They won't admit it, but amongst themselves they talk about it. And, you know, you gained a lot of respect from so many different clubs uh, just on a rugby league level who said, bugger the fact he's a rooster. Uh, a rooster. You know, you, you won him through New South Wales. You won him through playing for the roosters. But we got great leadership. Can you talk to us a little bit about the influence of both particularly our chairman, Nick Politis, on you and in our club, and then Trent Robinson? Yeah, I think for Nick, um, with me, just knowing the, the person that, that he is and the aura that he has in the rugby league community and, not just the rugby league community. I think he's well known, even if you don't know rugby league. And you know, for someone to him to show so much faith and um, in me, especially at the times we were talking about at the start of the podcast with my injuries, and you hear about you know the Roosters being pretty cutthroat, and you know they'll they'll move you on as quick as they sign you. But that wasn't the case for me. If anything, he you know. He, <laughs> He sort of, you know, reached out even more when I was injured and reassured me that it's going to be okay. And for him to do that and a guy of his stature and you know, how much respect I have for him, it just made me want to, you know, run through brick doors for him. And um, I suppose that's the influence that he's had on a lot of players that, that are at this club. And I think he's shown that he'll do anything for his players. And if if you act the right way and, and do the right thing by the jersey and do the right thing by him, and um, yeah. I'm just so 
so glad that, you know, I've got to experience my career here at the Roosters. Body, can you just put, um, you know, one finger on what it is about Robbo that makes him so special and then makes young men into what they are? I mean, what he's done this year is incredible. You know, he's had great players like yourself to rely on and mentor him, but what is the Robbo factor? Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever met a person that can bring a group of men together um, and make them believe um, as much as he does. You know, it's pretty amazing to see, you know, especially last year when we are going through all the COVID stuff and everyone I didn't know what was happening. And, you know, I remember being in the office that, that day when the news board had come on and they, they called the game off and suspended the game and we were all looking around going, what do we do? And we're, looking, we're asking Robbo and everyone was going, mate, what do we do? And, you know, that's a sign of like, I've never seen that before about grown men who are, we consider ourselves, you know, people in the roosters and we're turning to Robbo and we're asking him, we go, mate, what are we doing? Like, what's going on? And, yeah, for him to have that respect and off, you know, the whole club, like I said before, I've never met a person that can bring a, not only a team, but a whole club that sort of, you know, relies on him in a way to, to lead us because essentially whatever he says we're doing and that's a reflection the way the boys are playing now is a reflection of Robbo's coaching because yeah like I said essentially whatever he says we do so um, I think it goes to show how much respect the boys have of Robbo. Boyd just a bit of a personal question you've had an outstanding career as we all know but what will you miss the most about not lacing up the boots and hitting the field? I think just the um, the competitive side of it all. Um, no, I, I probably won't miss the the training, the week of training leading up to the games and being sore through the week and the injuries and the niggle and stuff. I definitely won't miss that. But um, I still get a feeling even now when the when the boys just before you know the two minute bell and I look around, that's that's the feeling that I that I'm going to miss the most. And um, but even even if I was ready to retire, um, I think that I'd still be like this. Yeah, like obviously I wasn't ready to retire, but um, you talk to guys that I have, like Fitzy, and you know he retired when he when he wanted to, and his body couldn't, you know. And even he says, look, he still misses it to this day. So I think that will never go away. Um, I'll definitely miss the the banner and just being around the boys all the time, which I'm still getting at the moment, being up here with them. But that's got to change soon because, I've, you know, I'm not a player anymore and, um, you know, it's going to be hard to to um, to realise, I suppose, once this year's gone. But, um, yeah, I think just the, the friendships and the, the bond you build with the players and that feeling after the game where, you've, you know, you've, you look around the sheds and you know that you've, done everything you possibly could and you know you got to win and just to see how happy the boys are at the moment and how they're going um I'll definitely miss that I reckon the most you just touched on that you are up there at the moment with them and we've seen you in the coach's box you know sitting next to Robbo and whatnot what what does the future hold for that side of it in rugby league and in the coaching side of it for you yeah, so I don't really know what that looks like for me at the moment. Um, you know, I'm still pretty fresh of, of the retirement, but I'll definitely be involved in, in the Roosters and in footy somehow. But 
yeah, at the moment, I just, you know, I wanted to finish off the year with the boys and, and to be up here and um, to be not from a coach's point of view, but more from a leadership, um, experience, player's point of view, um, just to, for them to have someone to lean on if they needed it and to be a voice um, around the team and to, um, you know, in video sessions or, you know, I've been running around at training still with them, but not doing contact, obviously. But, um, yeah, definitely in the future, maybe coaching is on the cards. But, um, yeah, I don't want to rush into anything yet because I want it to be something that I really want to do and I want to be passionate about it. So, um, yeah, at this stage, we're just going to play it by ear and I'll probably find something um, hopefully sooner rather than later. Boy, do you want to talk about some of the great friendships you've made along the way? You've touched on Toddy Carney, of course, and, and Mitchell Pierce. Yeah. Friendy, mate. I keep bumping him down at Bondi in a, in a wetsuit. <laughs> He's doing a Noosa triathlon or something. But, uh, you know, Bush touched on that photo of you and Jared, that one where the two of you are holding up the trophy, you know, in 2019 is a pretty special uh, image in my mind. Uh, the relationship between you and Nug, mate? Yeah, um, again, he's probably one of the first the first blokes for when I come to Sydney. We we got along straight away. He's only sort of two years older than me, so we sort of got on um, really well from the start. And, you know, to be able to um, be co-captain with him and win back-to-back premierships as captains together, um, yeah, that's just something that you'll never take away from us and that bond that we'll, we'll share together for a lifetime. And uh, when we walk into the office, you walk up the stairs and, um, there's a there's a photo of you know both of us and two years in holding up the trophy and then it's got the Mimcat holding up the trophy next to us um, in 2013. So yeah, they're something that's that can't be taken away from us and um, yeah, it's a friendship that that I'll cherish for for the rest of my life. Must be good when you're driving around Bondi Junction too and you get to see the mural with Artie yeah, and, and Minnie and Freddie <laughs> and you. <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Boydie, uh, you know, you owe the fans nothing. Um, and, and I can tell you right now, we just love how you played the game. But I know you're indebted to a couple of people. You know, your dad, your brother, and your beautiful yep. partner. Um, what would you like to say to them, uh, just as, as a bit of a thank you, to give you the opportunity to, to give back to those who give you the most? Yeah, there's probably just that bush is a massive thank you. Um yeah, you know, I didn't really realise how how invested, you know, the family and, and my dad was until I retired. And when I told dad, it was definitely like a bit of him was retiring as well because um, they ride every game with you. They ride the emotions of the losses, um, the wins, and, you know, they're always um, just there for you to just vent and to bash up. Um, so, yeah, it's... I'm just so, so thankful, especially my daddy. Um, you know, since I was young, he always gave me every opportunity to succeed and to do what I wanted to do, no matter what. Um, to, to Gemma, I've only sort of, I've been with her for three years. It's pretty funny. We, we talk about it now. I met her at the start of 2018 and for the first two years, she'd be going, oh, how bloody good is this? And then it's got flipped on its head. We had COVID the year after and then I'm retiring after that. So uh, we've experienced the, the ups and downs of it all too. And um, she hasn't wavered either. She's been there rock solid with me um, through it all. And I'm just so lucky to have her in my life now and can't wait to 
to see what the future holds for I us. I can't wait to see little boys. I've, I've said this before. There's little yeah, boys running around. When's that happening? <laughs> yeah, little little bunchings yeah. running around. Yeah. Well, well, I tell you, Boydie, we talked off air from our chairman last year about our academy, but what I think he meant is a rooster's breeding program. So, mate, yeah. uh, you know, the chip off the old block we're looking for. Yeah, sweet. No worries. I know I speak for all Roosters fans when we, uh, you know, after the announcement, we, we probably shed a tear, as you did. But have you got a message for the fans, mate? Another another big thank you. Um, you know, since I was a kid, since I was 16, coming down and being at Fan Days and them already knowing my name. And there's a, there's a, there's a big part of them that I went out each week to, to try and perform at my best and that was to sort of, to make them proud as well. And, you know, we've gone through some tough times, especially at the start of my career. And then to to have that success through, you know, that decade, it's, um, you know, they deserve it all. They, they're your biggest supporters, even when you when you go on bad. And I can honestly say that um, they, they drove me to be um, a better player and a person and to try and be um, available to them whenever they needed me. So um, thank you very much, guys. Bordy, we know you've given us so many great memories as a, as a young debutant, uh, you know, into our Roosters captain, back-to-back New South Wales victories, riding the roller coaster with you, Australian games. And then, obviously, as you're headed towards the twilight of your career and having to make that decision, I think a little bit of us retired with you as well. Because you have coined a, a great, you know, the, the Gidley f- uh, flick or, you know, the Ricky Stewart torpedo in rugby league things are known, Michael O'Connor goal-kicking, the Cordner carry, you know what I mean? And, and kids... Kids call it the cordon carry. We tell them that at, at footy training for our young kids. But um, we, we just want to thank you so much for all the memories given us on the field. And I've got a sneaky suspicion you're going to give us a fair few memories in the future off the field with being involved at the Roosters and everything else. But I believe you have got a special announcement for Roosters Radio fans. Yeah, I do. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm looking for, for work and something to do. So everyone get ready. Um, I'm going to be... Coming in and doing a couple of co-hosting sessions with the boys on 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 Roosters Radio. So twenty twenty two it is. Everyone's tuning in. I'll be on the the desk a bit more and grilling some of the players and giving everyone an insight into the, the inner circle of the Roosters. So I'm um, looking forward to it and can't wait to be there with you guys. Well, mate, it starts now. Let's talk a bit of footy. We got we got the Gold Coast uh, this Saturday night. Nice how are we gear looking? change. Nice. How are we looking? And how are we going to beat this mob? Yeah, no, we're looking good. I think apart from Joey Manu, it's it's the best side that we can field, um, our strongest team and um, since we've been up here. So um, boys had a really good session tonight and um, they're, they're raring to go. They know what to do and they know what's on the line and, you know, they're, they're, they're raring to go. I can tell you that right, right now. Well, fans, the artist formerly known as Boyd Court and now known as the co-host of Roosters Radio 2022, <laughs> Boydie. Great scoop. Thank you so much for spending the time, mate, the insights, and uh, just a great interview and taking us along the journey. We really wish you the best. We're huge fans as always. Thank you for your time. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank Thanks, you very mate. much. Thanks, See you guys. Thank you.
You've been listening to a Radio Hub production. For more information, visit radiohub.com.au.